Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Healthy Girl Podcast. I can't wait to talk to you this week. Um, We have a very special guest who I'll talk about in a second, but right now, or when I'll be uh, releasing this episode, I'll be 36 weeks pregnant, which is so wild. I can't believe that I've made it this far. At first, in my pregnancy, I have to say, the weeks went by really slow, and I'm like, how in the world am I going to do this for another nine months? But now we're here and I'm in my uh, ninth month of pregnancy and expecting baby boy really any time now. I'm feeling overall pretty good. I mean, just like the usual discomforts of being pregnant, like, you know, sleep is is, uh, few and far between. It's just like so uncomfortable that uh, sleep is just tough. Like you can't sleep on your stomach and you like, it, it's not really comfortable to sleep on your back. So it's like you're on your side all night, but then your hips hurt. So like, that's a whole thing. And, um, yeah, but overall I've been pretty good. I've been feeling like tired some days. I definitely have to take naps in my third trimester, which in my second, I really didn't need to do. And the nursery's done, which is, great because I was actually so stressed out about it. And I, I really had that nesting bug. Ari also, I think was nesting because we both just really wanted to get things done. So nursery's done. Everything's organized. Hospital bags are packed. So I feel much better and relieved that everything is prepared and ready to go. But I just want to say thank you. First of all, to everyone who's already pre-ordered my cookbook. And if you haven't pre-ordered it yet, make sure that you do so that you're first to get a copy. The book has over a hundred plant-based recipes that are just like the recipes you see on my Instagram and my blog and TikTok. These are the, these are the plant-based recipes that I've been making for years that helped me to initially, when I first went plant-based, helped me to feel amazing. So when I first went plant-based, I lost 20 pounds. I used to have really bad heartburn. I'm sure you've heard me talk about that. I had awful chronic chest pain from heartburn. My digestion was off. I had hormonal acne. I was super fatigued and and I had to take naps all the time. So after switching to a plant-based diet, I got rid of my chronic heartburn. I lost 20 pounds and I just had more energy than ever before. So I, I really wanted to write this book as a realistic cookbook with vegan meals that not only taste really good and don't make you feel deprived, don't make you feel like you're missing out on anything, because I think a lot of people worry that when they start a plant-based or healthy lifestyle, that they're going to miss dairy or miss meat or feel unsatisfied in some way eating just plant-based meals. But I really wrote the book teaching you the secrets to making the most amazing plant-centered meals that have accessible ingredients. So the cookbook has nothing fancy. I'm not going to ask you to go find some like ancient herb. Everything is accessible in regular, normal grocery stores. Everything is affordable. I mean, these are 
cheap ingredients like potatoes and veggies and fruits and nuts and seeds and whole grains and potatoes and and rice and things that you can get for so much cheaper than buying animal products for example you know buying organic meat is super expensive a can of chickpeas is 99 cents at the grocery store so this cookbook is great for someone who wants to learn how to eat plant-based but also is on a budget all of the recipes are gluten-free optional. So if you have a gluten sensitivity, then all of the recipes are easily changed to be gluten-free. For example, if I use a tortilla or bread or something like pasta, you can use a gluten-free version of that. Um, and all of the recipes, or at least most of the recipes are new, never before seen. If you have seen it before, it's an upgraded new and improved version, or there's something new about it. So maybe there's uh, a salad, but with a new amazing dressing that goes with it that you haven't seen before. Or um, again, it's just new and improved in some way to be made even better. But most of the recipes are never before seen, exclusive to the cookbook, and you guys are going to love it. And it's, I really wanted to make a realistic cookbook that you'd actually use because I have so many cookbooks that just sit on a shelf and they don't get any use out of them. This is a cookbook you'll keep on your counter. It'll teach you, again, the secrets to making amazing plant-based meals that taste good, make you feel healthy and amazing. will give you incredible health benefits like improved digestion. It'll help to clear your skin. Um, it'll help with things like constipation because plant-based meals have so much more fiber. Um, and, and it'll really teach you to fall in love with cooking for yourself and taking care of yourself. And I think cooking is self care and I'm going to teach you how to do it in the easiest way possible. And I mean, I do every day on Instagram, but having a book is just so much different because you have all of these recipes written out right there on your counter, so easily accessible. So I can't wait for you to get the book. It comes out May 16th, but make sure again that you pre-order so that you are the first to get your copy. And I'm going to link the book in the show notes so that you can order. Let me talk about our guest for the day. Sorry, babe. I just had to take a breath. Our guest for today is a vegan OG, Christina Carrillo-Bukaram. She is a writer, she's a speaker, she's a raw vegan activist, and she educates and guides people who are sick and tired of feeling sick and tired and are ready to take more control over their health and experience the compassionate lifestyle one can achieve by living fully raw. And you might ask, what is living fully raw? Well, we're going to talk about that in the podcast. But basically, Christina or fully raw Christina on, you know, that's how um, she, that's like her handle on social media. She has been a fully raw vegan for over 18 years now, which is so crazy. And she is thriving. So not, not only is she vegan, she's a fully raw vegan. We discuss how Christina reversed her type two diabetes with a raw vegan lifestyle. We talk about the incredible benefits she experienced when she switched to eating fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds, all again, uncooked, what she eats in a day, whether she craves warm or cooked foods, tips for living your healthiest life, specifically in college, misconceptions about fruit and sugar, whether she takes supplements, 
We talk openly and candidly about cutting out alcohol and drugs and reconnecting with yourself, her recent blood work and whether, you know, she's deficient in anything and more. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. Hi, Christina. Welcome to the Healthy Girl Podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Danielle. I'm so happy to be here and it's such a pleasure and honor to be talking with you. I'm so excited. I, I want to just point out how funny this story is of how we met, which I mean, we connected through Instagram like a little while ago, but back in 2016, I came to one of your speaking tour events for your book and we have a picture together. I'm actually going to put like, I'm going to put the picture up in the YouTube version of this because I think it's so funny. I was so excited to go see you speak and I think my husband bought me the tickets like if I remember this was so long ago, but he bought me the tickets as like a surprise, maybe birthday present or something. And I was so excited. We went to Connecticut uh, to hear you speak. And I just I had like first went vegan at the time. So you I feel like you were one of like the OG like vegan bloggers on social media. So, and there were literally, I feel like there were like three at the time and you were one of them. And I really like, I genuinely looked up to you and was obsessed with you. And like, now I get to interview you, which is just a full circle moment. I I do remember speaking in Connecticut. I remember meeting you. I loved that picture you sent. And Thank you for sharing that. It's been so inspiring to see you grow into this space and to have the impact that you have. It's so cool to see. Many congratulations. Thank you. I know. Now we get to share recipes on social media to millions of people together. So it's pretty amazing. I want to start with a question that, like, before I dive into your story and everything, I want to start with what you eat in a day, like really micro go through the, from your breakfast all the way through at the end of the night. If you have some kind of snack or dessert to when you're getting into bed, give us all the details. You know, it's so funny that you asked me that because I feel like at this point in my journey, <laughs> people are sick and tired of hearing me talk about what I eat in a day, but I, I guess that's not the case. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Christina. I've been a raw vegan for 17, almost 18 years. It'll be 18 years in July. So that means that half my life, half my life, I've been a raw vegan. That's wild. So for people who question whether or not they can survive or thrive without meat, dairy, processed foods, pastas, rices, I'm, I do everything raw. So my diet mainly consists of, well, wholly consists of fresh fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds in their most whole, ripe, organic form. Um, I live in Hawaii and I live on a nine acre orchard where I probably grow most of what I'm eating. 80% of everything I eat is grown by me or my neighbors. And then the other 20% might be staples I get from my local uh, healthy hut up the street. (laughs) Um, And a day in the life of eating for me typically looks like fresh juice for breakfast. I do 32 ounces of fresh juice every morning, whether it be a green juice or some type of a pineapple, apple, celery juice or whatever I have. I try to juice what I'm growing. Um, 
So 32 ounces of fresh juice, oftentimes followed by a smoothie bowl or a big plate of fruit. And when I say smoothie bowl, I mean a significant bowl. <laughs> My portion sizes are big because you have to consume more when you're raw because the food is higher in water content, but lower in calories. So by a smoothie bowl or big bowl of fruit of some kind. And when I say big bowl of fruit, a, a meal of fruit for me might look like a plate of five huge mangoes sliced up and some papaya and whatever I have. Um, throughout the day, if I were to munch on anything, it would be fruit or more juice or veggies that I have in the garden. And my dinners are, I call them epic meals, but I typically mix them up between epic salads or other raw vegan dishes like raw zucchini noodles or raw lasagnas, anything I can make that's raw vegan. I always make my own dressings and sauces. Um, I, I, for me, this sounds like a very simplified version, <laughs> uh, but I, I consume a lot. So I know a lot of people, when they hear this, they might think, oh my gosh, she eats rabbit food all day long. But it's so much more than that. When you start getting into the raw vegan lifestyle, the number of juice combinations you can make and the things you can juice that can be healing are significant. The different amounts of fruits and smoothie bowls and things you can try in season, out of season, the cool things that you can grow become so exciting. And uh, for dinners, when you can throw as many colors as you can in a bowl and then make your own sauces with it, you'd be surprised at how full you feel and how satisfied, how many calories you can get and how you actually can get all the nutrients that you need. It's really cool. Does that kind of answer your question? <laughs> yeah, it does. I think one of the most common questions that someone would ask following that is, you know, they're hearing that you're having juices, smoothie bowls, fruit. I love fruit, obsessed with fruit. I eat it all day long. But I think the average person would maybe ask if you're getting eating too much sugar and how you feel eating all that fruit. Like you said, you'd have five mangoes at a time and you're making a 32 ounce, maybe pineapple juice. Can you kind of speak to sugar and answer that kind of misconception? Sure. Um, for those who, who don't know my story, I used to be a type two diabetic. Um, I was diagnosed um, between the time I was 14 and 16. Um, and I adapted a raw food lifestyle when I was 18. And I naturally reversed my type 2 diabetes by the time I was 21. So it took me about a year and a half to reverse my type 2 diabetes. And I was hyperglycemic, meaning I had high blood sugar. Hypo is you have low blood sugar. And I reversed my type 2 diabetes simply by changing my lifestyle habits and by consuming more fruit. <laughs> uh, that being said, I took out the meat, the dairy, the processed sugars, the processed foods, things that were packaged, uh, saturated fats. I mean, I, it's like I, ch I took out a whole chunk of everything that people are used to consuming. And I really cleaned up my diet to consume whole fresh fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds. And when I did that, my body went through a cleanse, a detox period where it allowed me to cleanse, build and restore and to heal. And, um, you know, I think that a lot of people are afraid of eating fruit. Um, my gosh, I, I would recommend Dr. Graham as a great resource for this or the 801010 book, just for people to be able to have a resource where they can read more into it and go into more detail. 
It, but if I were going to provide a small summary for you here, just because it's such a loaded question and there's so much to unpack with that is, you know, fruit is a simple sugar, a simple carbohydrate compared to other complex carbohydrates that are out there like pastas and breads um, and how they respond in the body differently. You know, there's also the argument of uh, when you move into a low fat, whole food, plant-based diet and high carb, your body responds differently and you can process better. Um, you know, many out there will argue that it's actually a high fat lifestyle that contributes to diabetes and not the fruit. Um, so let's say that someone didn't make any changes in their diet or their lifestyle and they wanted to eat pizza and ice cream and burgers all day that weren't vegan, loaded in fats and just standard American typical diet. And then you wanted to start adding fruit meals on top of that. Yes, you would probably feel it. <laughs> you would probably have some spikes in there. But let's say that you took out all the causes of the problem and took out all of those things that were creating issues within the body and you replaced it with just whole foods you'd be surprised at how differently your body would respond. So for me, I have no issues consuming 32 ounces of fresh juice or plates of fruit or whatnot, because I'm not consuming it with all the other things, right? Like I'm not consuming, <laughs> I'm not consuming it with meat or with dairy or with other saturated fats or processed sugars. So I, I would say that, you know, people have become afraid of eating fruit because people think it has sugar. But in my world, I look at it as fuel, as an essential carbohydrate that our body needs to function. And um, I consider myself to be an athlete. If anybody watches my stories, like I'm always, <laughs> I am, I'm an extremely active person. I live on an island. I live on an orchard. I need fuel to function, right? So I, on an average day, consume about 24, 2,500 calories a day. And I couldn't do that if I didn't eat fruit because in this lifestyle where you get your carbohydrates, where you get your fuel, where you get the majority of your calories is from fruit. So it's essentially I've replaced one carbohydrate source for another. Does that make sense? Does that still, I, I think people are still afraid of eating fruit, but once you, once you realize how beautiful and perfect nature is and of itself and what it provides for us, and you see that there's nothing to be afraid of, changes your whole perspective on everything. A hundred percent. And I like to explain to people that fruit has so much fiber, which we all need, and that I think so many people are lacking and fruit is filled with antioxidants, vitamin C, like you have an orange, which has like beta carotene and, and all of these, you know, so much vitamin C that helps produce collagen. And then you have like all the red fruits, which, you know, is just packed with all different kinds of antioxidants that your body needs to fight diseases and to repair cells and, um, to have glowing skin and grow your hair. And I, I just think that fruit gets this really bad reputation and, I keep posting actually that in my pregnancy, fruit is my number one craving. I'm, I'm normally such a fruit girl, but in my pregnancy, it is literally the only thing I want. I want to drown myself in grapefruit. I don't know what, I think it's like the sour <laughs> aspect of it. Oh my God. It's the best thing ever. Oranges. I just want to, I wake up like and crave a juicy orange. I want a pound of grapes a day. So 
And, and people ask me, they're like, aren't you worried about the sugar? Aren't you worried about, you know, maybe getting gestational diabetes? Do you pair the fruit with a fat? Like, aren't you concerned about your glucose levels? And I'm like, no, like this is what my body's craving and this is what my body needs. And I feel so healthy and so amazing in my pregnancy eating so much fruit. And I tell people, I'm like, I haven't had any pregnancy constipation, which is probably one of the number one pregnancy symptoms that people get. I think it's because I eat so much fruit, which again is filled with fiber. But as you know, because it has the fiber, it kind of helps slow down that those release of the sugars. So you can't compare the sugar in a candy bar to the sugar in fruit because candy bars don't grow on trees, but fruit does. And fruit is so amazing for you and is such a gift. So I'm I'm on the fruit train right there with you. And I think that um, you are just a testament to how healthy you can be eating a ton of fruit in your diet. So thank you. For can I add to that just yeah. for one second? So it's <laughs> yes, yes, and yes. And the first thing that came to my mind is how when you eat pizza and burgers and all this unhealthy food, no one has anything to say. And then the second you start eating fruits and vegetables or a plant-based diet, everyone panics and they're like, you're not going to get enough. Like (laughs) they panic because it's like all of a sudden you've shifted to eating a different type. It's, it's interesting to me because fruits and vegetables are the most nutrient rich, nutrient dense foods on the planet. And when you start consuming them, people put up an argument with you about eating them. And, you know, I feel like our education systems are lacking because we should all know that fruit has fiber and we should all know the different vitamins and minerals that these plants have to offer us. But we've become so disconnected from that source that people are afraid of consuming fresh fruits and vegetables nowadays. They'd rather consume something that was man-processed, man-made, low nutrients, no fiber, no fiber foods, literally, to, <laughs> we could get into that. Um, and it's, it's just amazing. I, I'm on the fruit train as well. <laughs> I'm like, we could go into this for hours. <laughs> I know. And I always say like the second you go vegan, the second you start eating plant-based and you're eating all these fruits and vegetables and plants from the earth, everyone seems to have an opinion all of a sudden when, like you said, if you're eating unhealthy it's or eating the typical standard American diet, it's more common. So people are just used to, to others eating that way. And then I, I noticed when I switched to being plant-based, especially from, I found older people, no shade to them, but like our grandparents kind of age and parent age, they're very concerned about the protein, very concerned about, you know, maybe too much sugar from fruit, um, questioning, even when I got pregnant, a lot of, uh, you know, my older friends and family members were, you know, they were like, but you're going to start eating meat now that you're pregnant, right? Like you have to eat meat to grow your baby. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not going to eat meat just because I'm pregnant. Um, And actually, it's funny, a lot of the pregnant women I talk to, their number one aversion is meat. Like people can't look at meat when they're pregnant, especially chicken for some reason. That's like a really common thing I hear. But um, I like to share, I've been vegan throughout my whole pregnancy. And I tell everyone, I'm like, he's perfectly healthy. Everything's going well. So, so yeah, I, I know where you're coming from, where the second you're plant-based, you're eating healthier. And I'm sure with you, you're like one step further than plant-based because you're not cooking anything that all of a sudden people have an opinion about what you're eating, which can be really frustrating. 
Well, I think the thing is, is people get confused when they look at me because I tell them that I eat fruits and vegetables for a living and that I don't cook and I just prepare and that I juice and do smoothies and salads. And they look at me and they're like, but you look so good. <laughs> like, sounds weird me saying that, but people look at me and I look very like healthy. I have, I'm like muscular, I'm active, I'm doing things. Um, I recently uploaded a video on my YouTube channel where I shared my blood lab results after 17 years of being raw vegan. Everything across the board is beyond perfect. Um, and I think that, you know, when you pair this lifestyle with, you know, if you have, you pair the desire and the passion and the inspiration to be more connected to your body, the earth, the animals in any way, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually with the knowledge, the proper knowledge on how to do this and you follow through with doing this, it's absolutely achievable. I think a lot of people might think, oh, well, I couldn't do that or I don't, you know, I won't get enough, but you absolutely can and everyone can. It's just knowing how to do it and how to get what you need and how to listen to your body in that moment. Anybody can do this successfully. So. Can you speak a little bit to how you grew up and the kind of foods that like your family prepared when you were a kid and like your cultural background? I would love to. And I, I, I want to just one day dive into this more with you because I know you grew up Jewish. And so you understand these family dynamics, right? It's, <laughs> I grew up in a Lebanese and Ecuadorian household. My mother's Lebanese. My father is Ecuadorian. Um, so I grew up speaking Spanish, but also with, you know, my mother's side of the family who, if I could paint a picture for anyone, it's, it's, basically my big fat Greek wedding on steroids. Um <laughs> uh, on my father's side of the family, it's chicken, beans, and rice, fried, typical Latin American food, lots of chicken. And on my mother's side, for anybody who knows about Lebanese food, it's everything doused in olive oil all the time. I basically grew up <laughs> eating oil. Um, you know, even though there are a lot of fresh foods and salads that are considered to be in the Mediterranean diet, real Lebanese food is like includes a lot of raw meat and a lot of oils. Like there's, you know, kibbe, kibbe naye. Like I grew up on all those things. I did not grow up on a lot of fresh fruits or vegetables. It was a rare occasion that I would eat fruit. It was usually with my grandpa because he's obsessed with bananas and watermelon. He's 99 right by right now, by the way, about to turn 100. You have the cute. Can we just talk about how cute your grandpa? I love when you post him. I, You have such a cute relationship and special relationship with your grandpa. Just seeing you guys dance together. I live for your post with him. You guys have to go to her Instagram and just like, search for all of the posts with her grandpa because he is so precious. Like you really like have a gift of a relationship with it. He is like, I'm going to cry right now. He's even more cute in real life. Can I just say that? Like in real life, he's even like that, like the things he says and how he loves me and my, my whole family, you know, he really is just the most special human. I can honestly say that they don't make they don't make them like that anymore. He's about to turn a hundred. That's, that's he's about amazing. to turn a hundred. Don't let that fool anybody. He's still up and 
moving around and doing all that. He like FaceTimed me the other day while he was getting pedicures with my sister. My grandpa's doing oh great. My God. <laughs> so um, the only time I ever ate fruit was when I was hanging out with my grandpa growing up um, because I'd, I'd go over to his house and he'd always have bananas and watermelon at his house. But when I was home with my parents, it was back to the typical cultural dishes, which were, you know, things that we all ate anyways. But um, it wasn't until I was 14 to 16 years old, I was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. Diabetes does run in my family. Um, and I got it at a really young age. <laughs> That's a really young age to develop that type of chronic illness disease. And um, I was introduced to a raw food lifestyle um, when I was 18, um, when a stranger had approached me in the grocery store and introduced me to the concept in general of eating vegan, raw food, juicing, eating fruits and vegetables for, for life. And I remember at that time I had just gotten out of the hospital. Um, you know, I had an IV patch in my arm and I was extremely emaciated and underweight at the time um, from struggling with my diabetes and all the other health issues that came along with it. And, you know, I just remember hitting rock bottom when I was 18 because I was struggling so much with my health. And I went raw vegan in one night and I never went back. <laughs> that was my story in a nutshell was I was introduced to this lifestyle in a way where the invitation was to simply try it, to try removing everything that I was doing, trying something different, a more alternative approach, and to start my journey off by eating nothing but peaches for two weeks straight um, to see how that would help me. And to my surprise, um, after eating nothing but peaches for two weeks straight, I, my body began to heal itself. My blood sugars be, began to stabilize. So much of my life had changed in that short window from when I was 18 to 19. And I feel like I went through this whole awakening, right? It was almost as if I felt like I'd been lied to my whole life. <laughs> the way that people hear about, oh, don't eat fruit. It has too much sugar. I was literally watching myself go through the most intense healing journey of my life. And I was just eating fruit and I was, you know, struggling with type two diabetes. And yet I was watching fruit heal me, so to speak. So that for me was quite, you know, quite a journey. So this person approaches you in a grocery store. I mean, this kind of sounds like not a fake story, but sounds almost like a movie. It's just very like, uh, like, okay, this random stranger approaches you and then your life has changed forever. Um, but were you still living at home at the time? I was 18. I was living at home. I was still in high school. And um, I almost, I think I still had like six months left of high school and I almost didn't graduate high school because I had so many sick days. Um, I had the highest GPA in my class at the time. So for me, that was devastating for them to say like, oh my goodness, you might not graduate because you've had so many sick days. Um, I was living with my parents. They had no idea what was going on with me when I started adapting to this lifestyle. They thought I was crazy, but they saw that it was working and it was creating a positive change in my life. So it was confusing for everyone involved. <laughs> uh, and also 
my mother went through this whole phase where she felt like I was uh, denouncing my culture um, by not eating her food. So there was this whole cultural component that was really difficult to navigate. And um, I ended up going to Vanderbilt University for a window of time. And then after that, transferred to Rice University back in Texas. So I, I went from, and this is kind of an interesting thing is, you know, I started off my raw food journey my last year of high school, right? So you can imagine an 18-year-old learning how to eat raw. It was so basic, like chopping fruits, making salads in Texas almost 18 years ago. I mean, just putting those pieces together, recycling was just coming into popularity in Texas at that time. People barely knew what a vegetarian was, much less a vegan and I was going raw vegan. I didn't know anyone else my age doing this at that time. Facebook wasn't even around, Danielle. <laughs> Can you just imagine? There was no Facebook when I started this lifestyle. <laughs> imagine now people, imagine how people have the communities and the resources now to approach this in such a different way. And there's so much more knowledge and information. It's amazing. Back then, there, there was not this. I had so much to figure out on my own. I did feel very alone. My family thought I was crazy. Um, and I went through my entire four years of college eating raw, never a drop of alcohol, you know, never strayed from the path after that. I was so committed to my own healing because I saw how quickly it was changing me and how it was healing me. Um, so yeah, that's, I, I traveled a lot during that time too. I share this only because we have a lot of people who watch us and who view us and who are trying to eat plant-based or raw on a budget or with their families or in certain scenarios or communities. And I share that just because I want, I want them to hear that it's possible when you really want to do something and there is absolutely a way and um, that there's so many resources out there now and you have so much encouragement and community um, that's there for you. So maybe give like three tips for someone who's in college and they want to stick to a healthy lifestyle. Cause it takes, it takes a lot and you had to be, I think it takes confidence for sure because you have to not care what anyone thinks. Absolutely. So I would just say, Oh my gosh, three tips. This is impossible because there's more than three tips. How about this? I would say if I were going to split this up into three things to not do <laughs> and three things to do, I would say if you can go through your college experience without alcohol, um, without drugs, and without any cafeteria food, <laughs> you're already winning to the most degree or I, or I should just say without junk food. Right. And the biggest piece of advice is, is just because everybody else is doing it doesn't mean you have to really honor yourself. I'd say that's the one thing that I'm so proud of myself for and my college experience. And the one thing that I am so grateful that I chose to lean into was choosing just to be myself and to honor myself despite what everyone else was doing. I had so many scenarios in college where people made fun of me for not drinking, for not going out and doing what everyone else was doing, or we'd go to dinners with girlfriends and I would just sit there and 
bring my own salad or eat a salad. And people didn't understand me. Girls in the dorm hall made fun of me all the time. And it wasn't until I actually started communicating with them why I was doing what I was doing and how I was trying to heal my type 2 diabetes that they actually started opening up and understanding more because before that they would just make fun of me and call me, oh, it's the girl with the bananas, you know? And it, but then it's interesting how when people begin to learn your story, then there's an element of compassion that happens and arises and you can actually begin to connect with people. So if I were going to say those were some of the things to not do, I'd say the things that I, invite you to do if you're just beginning on this journey and you're in a situation where you're in a college dorm or you're in a community or and even in just a beginning phase of this lifestyle it would be really i mean keep it as simple as possible but eat as many fruits and vegetables as you can raw as you can do your smoothies do your juices do your salads eat as much raw food as you can um, number two, get as much sleep as you can during that time of your life. Your body needs recovery. And number three, get in as much exercise as you can really take care of yourself. Like focus on those three pillars and let the rest fall into place. But I, I do think it's important to note that what you don't do weighs just as much in importance as the things that you do do. Right. So let's say that you did do raw food and you were sleeping and you were working out, but you were also drinking and doing drugs and eating lots of junk food on the side. You probably wouldn't feel the benefits of this lifestyle in the same way. Yeah, I think that, look, like I feel like we've come into this generation where women are a lot more um, one, like accepting of like balance in the dieting lifestyle world and there is like a push towards like intuitive eating and having this like moderation which I'm all for a hundred percent like do I have vegan ice cream sometimes yeah I totally do and do I like go to the vegan baker near me and have a vegan cupcake I do but I think at the end of the day when if you are on a serious health journey and you do learn about things like the effects of alcohol on your brain, on your body, on your hormones, you learn about the effect of drugs on your brain, on your body, on your hormones, the long-term effects um, on your health. And, you know, of course, the long-term effects of eating foods like fried foods, foods super high in trans fat or saturated fat, um, foods that are highly processed. If you just delve into the research a little bit, uh, they're super harmful to your health. So while balance is so important, it is important to educate yourself on, on those issues. And, um, of course, like if you're in college and you know, you're going to a party, like I'm sure you're going to have a drink, but I think there is, there is a way to find some kind of balance in, you know, maybe you're not having 10, maybe you're having one. Um, and then I feel like also (laughs) in terms of like, cafeteria food maybe if someone doesn't have an option maybe they like I didn't have a kitchen in my dorm so or when I was in a dorm I didn't have access to like a stove or an oven or anything so I would 
in the dining halls, I just had to make the best of it. But they, I think a lot of colleges now have salad bars. So I would make huge salads from the salad bar. I had to be my own advocate. I would ask them to, like they had a pasta bar and I would ask them to use whole wheat pasta and I'd ask them to use marinara sauce instead of Alfredo sauce so I didn't have the dairy. I'd ask them to steam all my vegetables instead of like, I think they were using like canola oil or something. I didn't, like some kind of mystery oil. I'm like, can you just steam my vegetables? And I really had to be an advocate. <laughs> for myself. And it sounds like you were really an advocate for yourself and one speaking out and letting your peers around, you know, what was going on with you and like being confident about why you were making certain lifestyle changes. But I also think it's important to be your advocate in social situations and in places like a dining hall and just speak up for what you want. If you are trying to find healthy food, ask the staff who's working there, you know, how they can accommodate you. And I think more often than not, they'd be more than happy to accommodate. But I, I think, I think the alcohol thing is controversial. I myself, I'm not a huge drinker. I, in high school, I was like, I was a tank. Like, I'm not going to lie. I drink so I drink a lot in high school and I like, I got all my partying days out then. And then when I got to college and started eating plant-based, I really like, I noticed that because I was eating so clean, taking in something toxic like alcohol really made me feel sick. It made me sick super fast. Um, where and I noticed like over time, the the healthier my diet got, the the more nutrients I had in my diet, the healthier plant based I became. The more alcohol would affect me. So I think maybe some people also don't realize how good they can feel and how sensitive you become to certain things once you kind of start taking care of yourself. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And just to just to validate, I love that you are encouraging people to find options within their cafeterias. Like that's I remember there was a salad bar in my cafeteria and I remember pushing them to like get into organic. Right? So, I love that. That's great and advocating for yourself in that scenario. And also I mean, yeah, alcohol is really controversial for many people because <laughs> uh, I know a lot of people feel that they need it or that helps them relax. And um, no, I just, it's my personal opinion that like, if you're really wanting to do this lifestyle, alcohol doesn't really, it doesn't, it's not, it's not a way of life. There's so much more damage it can cause. And I just know for me, um, coming from a family where alcoholism was a thing and still is a thing on certain sides of my family and how I've seen it change and affect certain family members. I just can say for myself, I choose not to. Like I love being in full control of my body. I love having full sovereignty over my body and my choices. And um, I, I would just say that if there's you really like, there's so many alternatives. You can find alternatives for every single thing that you want to do. And it doesn't have to be a harmful thing. So I hope that makes sense to people here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you and you kind of have to find what works for you. And maybe, maybe you finding your balance is like finding a great organic vegan wine that you have once in a while. I think that's like, like if, if you really love it that much, or maybe you have like a couple days a month, but, um, I feel like it's a good challenge to see how good you can feel with removing alcohol. I know for me, I feel so much better. I, I like you said, I love having the control 
over my body and how I feel. And I think it's a skill to learn how to one, have fun without alcohol, because I think a lot of people need it to have fun and have a good time. It's a life skill to know how to have a conversation with someone without being under the influence. It's a life skill to be able to make friends without it, to be able to laugh and to make memories. And I think that once you practice doing that, you have more fun because you get to be like your authentic self. Um, so it's a little bit of, it's a little bit of a challenge maybe that we're putting out there. Well, no, but so I actually love that because I think at the root of what I heard you just say is, you know, people have become so disconnected from themselves and it's in consequence made them become more disconnected from others. Right. And I think the whole point of drinking alcohol or doing drugs or using some of these stimulants is, you know, they give you a huge dopamine hit, but like they disconnect you from whatever it is that you might be facing. They're known as numbing agents. And a lot of people when consuming them in excess can be known to like stuff it down. Right. So I think what, you know, what I heard you say on a deeper level is the invitation is to learn how to reconnect with yourself in different ways and to learn how to reconnect with people, other people in different ways. Go to yoga, go have fun walking on the beach, go to a movie, find things to do other than to, to share in those habits together. And I think, I think that when you can open the doors to those types of other activities, I think you will find different ways of reconnecting with yourself. Go for hikes in nature, you know? Uh, there's so much possibility there. Um, yeah, I just, and also, since I know this is like totally different, but I just want to say that same concept is linked to people when they get into eating disorders or when they binge eat, overeat. If you look at the patterns that the certain people display in terms of numbing or stuffing themselves with certain substances, you can also see some of those patterns in their relationship with food. And it's really interesting when you get into it. And so I love, love exploring this concept of reconnecting back to yourself and food can be a catalyst for you to be able to do that in a mental, physical, emotional, spiritual level. And so the more conscious we become of every single little thing that we put into our body, every little thing we put into our body can have such a massive impact on not just our physical health, but our, our mental health and our connectivity and like our whole planet. <laughs> I hope that I just went off on like a tangent there, but I, <laughs> that's okay. Me. We love, we love a tangent, but, but yeah, I think it's like the part a of like learning how to make memories and have fun without it. And then also like you mentioned, learning how to relax without being under the influence of anything as well. And like you said, going for a hike, learning how to meditate, doing yoga, like those things are so powerful and the skills that you learn from doing those things are so much more impactful than, you know, drinking or doing drugs. Um, so that's, that's what I have to say on that. Again, maybe this is a little bit of a challenge we're putting out there to like, see, you know, reconnect with yourself and see how you feel without those things. Let's talk about some of the, the, benefits you first started to experience or, or that you've continued to experience. You've now become a raw vegan. 
you're in college, you go through college, you reverse your type two diabetes, which is incredible. What did you feel and what were the benefits that you experienced that you noticed the most? Oh my goodness. The benefits of this lifestyle are infinite is, is the honest answer other than more energy, I would say explosive energy in a, in a beautiful way. Um, a sharper mind, better sleep, clearer skin, better digestion, better poops. <laughs> uh, every single, like, you know what? It's just so interesting because everybody will experience different benefits when they approach this lifestyle. It really depends on what your body needs to heal from. I, every single day, every single day, I get emails from people sharing some of the surprising benefits that they didn't know that they were going to get out of this. Some people have healed cancer. Some people have healed diabetes. Some people have healed Crohn's or colitis or other weird skin diseases, eczema, like just by approaching this. And they were things that were healed kind of as an offset not like maybe they came into this lifestyle because they just wanted to lose weight. A lot of people just want to lose weight when they approach this lifestyle, but then they go wrong. They're like, whoa, healed my Crohn's disease on the side. I'm a believer now, right? Because it doesn't just heal one thing. The healing happens in multiple layers, multiple levels. And I, what's beautiful about this is I think for me, my, most of my physical healing happened in the beginning of my journey, healing my type 2 diabetes. Um, I had short hair at the time, grew my hair back, like longer, stronger. Um, you know, I've really honed in on the physical component. And I think the next step for me, because I've been doing this for so long now, has been it opened up a door for emotional healing for me that I didn't really know was possible. You know, I, and it's helped me to really heal my relationship with myself and my relationship with my mom and just relationship with everybody. It's definitely allowed me to become a more compassionate person and to work on some things in my life that I didn't know that I was capable of healing. You know, so I, I would say that the mental and emotional component for me has been the most powerful. Most people will probably just like, come in for the physical benefits, but the emotional and mental for me has been wonderful. And, you know, as, as some of you might know, I'm in Hawaii now growing my own food and learning this journey in an entirely different way. And it's really brought in that spiritual component for me as well. So for me, it's like, I continue doing this because I honor and respect my temple, right? I want my body to continue functioning at its most optimal level. And I feel just as inspired and just as physically good now, uh, almost 18 years later in this lifestyle as I did in the beginning of my journey, that's kept me going. And what continues to motivate me is there's always a deeper level of emotional healing that you can go to. Um, there's a spiritual connection that happens when you are growing your own food and eating this way, you just feel more connected to everything, every person, every living being. And, um, you know, when you start getting into the environmental benefits of this and the ethical benefits of this and how it is saving animal lives and changing the planet, I mean, why wouldn't you do this? <laughs> it's, it goes beyond us and it benefits our entire earth and planet and common collective in such a beautiful way.
Let's say that someone wants to be raw vegan fully, or maybe they just want to be more raw vegan and incorporate more raw meals. What I feel like you have some really good advice on how to do it in um, a more budget-friendly way. So maybe speak to that a little bit. Yeah, I love that. Um, I really encourage people just to start with one fully raw meal a day. The best advice I can give, because I think when most people think about even going vegan, they're overwhelmed, right? They're like, how do I do that? It's already such a different way of life than what we grew up with or what's different. So I would just say, start with one raw vegan meal a day. Some of you might not even realize you're kind of already doing it. You might just have to tweak the formula just a tad. It might be doing one smoothie a day and just using simple ingredients and not adding in milk, using a plant-based milk instead. Um, it might be eating a plate of fruit and trying doing a mono meal, right? Once a day, once every other day, or for some people it might look like, hey, I'm gonna replace my dinner with a rainbow salad every night and I'm gonna make my own dressing. And just starting there, starting really small and starting by tweaking other certain areas, maybe taking out certain crutches in your diet or in your lifestyle that might not be benefiting you. And in terms of making it more budget friendly, I've seen you share so many posts about this. I mean, obviously this isn't raw, but beans and rice and certain things that are out there, some of the most inexpensive foods that are out there. It is so easy to go vegan. When people say it's not possible, I'm like, it's so possible. And actually I have found that people spend more money eating the standard American American diet things than they do if they were vegan because they're spending $6 on Starbucks every day and then they're getting a muffin and then they have, they're eating out multiple times a week and then they're doing this and it's like on, on a raw lifestyle, I'm really just buying fruits and greens all the time as my main staples. And when I'm not buying them, I'm growing them and that costs me even less. <laughs> Start going to your farmer's markets right? Start loading up on bulk cases of things. Start getting case discounts. Make deals with your farmer. Start growing your own food in little pots around your house if you can. There are so many ways to do this successfully. Um, I would say, though, that if somebody really wanted to save money, buying fruit by the case and buying veggies by the case, whether at your local grocery or from farmer's market, is the best way to save money and you get case discounts and you get them in bulk. It's just the way to go. I, I mean, I made it by, I mean, obviously times has changed. Oh my gosh, I feel so old saying that. But when I was in college, I was making it, you know, $60, $80 a week was my food budget, you know. And um, I, I maxed that thing out by buying cases of fruit every week. And I was eating in, in abundance even at that time. And even today, like, just, I mean, I'm just throwing this out there, but you can buy a case of bananas, which is 40 pounds of bananas for 28, 30 something dollars. You can save those bananas, freeze them and use them in smoothie bowls and smoothies throughout the rest of the next couple of weeks, a month. It'll last you. There's so many ways to be cost efficient in this lifestyle. Totally. And if like, that sounds like a large amount to someone, like maybe you live alone, maybe it's just you and a partner, like 
you could get friends in on this with you and like have someone get the cases and then like split them up with your neighbors or your roommates or whoever's nearby. And that way you can all kind of be in on it together. And whenever you guys need more, you order it um, in bulk so that you save more money. I think that's really smart. Yeah. I mean, that's what I did for the first 11 years of my journey as I ran my own co-op. <laughs> do you remember that? I do. <laughs> I know. So that's, that's what I was doing before I was on social media as so I was running my own, my own raw, raw organic co-op. So. so maybe quickly explain what a, what a co-op is, because I think if someone has it in their area, then it's really beneficial to getting fruits and vegetables at a discounted price. Yeah, it's, gosh, Danielle, it's pretty sad. Most of the main ones I know since I was running mine have kind of closed down. So unless you're finding one in your local area or it's one that you and your friends are starting or putting together, it's kind of hard to find bigger run ones now. Um, so I would say that if you can search nearby for your local organic co-ops and see where you can pick up cases of fresh fruits and vegetables every week. And usually a co-op means you buy a bunch of cases at a discounted price and you share it amongst everyone and everyone gets a discounted price on organic produce or whatever other bulk items you choose to include. Another way to do this would be to just go to your local farmer's markets, meet the farmers that are growing what you want and ask them if you can buy cases of things and ask them what their case discounts are. And take those cases home, split them up with your friends, your neighbors, and begin saving money that way. Another thing you could do is if you know friends or neighbors who have special fruit trees, ask if you can, you know, exchange some services in exchange for some of their fruit. There's so many ways to go about doing this um, that are fun and exciting. Yeah, I think a, a good example of this would be, so the other day I went to Whole Foods and I bought a bell pepper and this was a gorgeous fat bell pepper organic and so beautiful. And then I rang her up and it was $6 for this one bell pepper. And I'm like, that's really expensive. I bought it because I needed it for a recipe I was making, but I thought that's insane for one bell pepper. And then a couple days later, I ended up going to a store that's nearby me. It's if you're in Florida, it's called Bedner's. And um, they grow a lot of their own food on a farm nearby. And they also just get like a bunch of local stuff. But they had a deal where it was five peppers for $4. I was like, that's more like it. Um, I'm going to get these. <laughs> but it was a good example where this was like you know, grown at a local farm and, you know, they have so many peppers that they were just, you know, trying to get rid of because it was the pepper season and, um, they just had an abundance of peppers. So I think it's always better to find somewhere local, some kind of farmer's market, because they're always going to have a better deal than a big grocery store. Yes. And you get to support your local growers along the way, which feels good. I love it. Oh, totally. It's dollars totally. for a pepper is a bit ridiculous. That markup price sounds a little greedy. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I want to shift gears a little bit and answer some audience questions. I asked my followers on Instagram some of their burning questions that they'd have for you. So let's kind of, there's a bunch, so let's maybe answer these in like a rapid fire kind of way. Okay. Um, ready. <laughs> okay. So this is from Laura. She says, how do you achieve such healthy long hair? Like, do you have any, like besides being raw vegan, is there anything else that you do for your hair? 
Okay, I have I have many things that I do for my hair, but I would say my number one thing is my diet, my healthy diet. And, um, you know, I do put a scoop of Sun Warrior protein in my smoothies, which is a plant-based protein. Um, I consume a lot of greens, a lot of, lot of greens. My hair is kind of still wet and drying right now because I think I told you I just came from yoga <laughs> before this interview. So Mufasa is like expanding by the minute, which is why she's a little frizzy. I um, I do my own hair masks. I make my own hair masks. So Ooh, what's in it? I I blend up like avocado, coconut oil, essential oil. Sometimes I'll put in awapui, which is like a plant in there. Sometimes olivera. Um, when I was little, my grandmother used to wash my hair with beer and honey. And so there are some times where now I'll put like a little apple cider vinegar in there, or maybe I'll put some coconut nectar. Um, and I just make my own hair mask. I love that. <laughs> so you, it's your healthy diet. You make these hair masks and you don't, you, you don't diet or anything, I assume. <laughs> no, I've never in my whole life, not even once dyed my hair. Isn't that yeah, crazy? I think that helps I mean, too I, to, to not damage it. Yeah, I also don't cut my hair very often, like once every once every 10 years. <laughs> once every three to four years, once every whenever it feels like it needs to be cut. Um, that's pretty funny. People are like, oh, like on occasion I'll cut my hair once every 10 years. <laughs> so um I really do attribute it to my, my lifestyle and my diet. And I, I say this as well, because they also have really strong meals. Um, and, um, you just, you see those proteins kind of thrive in other areas on your body, so to speak. And Lisa wants to know, does she actually eat those huge salad bowls or is it just for the gram? I do. I actually can eat those and more. Um, I will say, though, however, I have the best neighbors in the world, so I will often make larger portions because it's kind of like a 90s sitcom over here. Everybody's always walking through my back door and stopping by. I end up feeding a lot of people, but I do also eat my own salads along the way. People see on social media, on YouTube, these huge portions, but as you kind of explained earlier in the podcast, because you're eating fruits, vegetables, which are naturally lower in calories, you have to kind of supplement and eat a little bit more. Yes. I mean, fruits and vegetables are high in fiber and high in water content, but they're super low in calorie, which means you have to eat more of them. And over a period of time of eating raw, what happens is, is um, you learn how to manage the volume and it's not as daunting as you think it is. So I've been doing this for so long. Even if you go back and look at some of my YouTube videos from 10 years ago, my salad sizes are all the same. Actually, my formula for this lifestyle has been the same from the beginning and my message hasn't changed. I feel like I've been very consistent since I've been on YouTube and it's something that I'm pretty proud of because I haven't really changed that up. So if someone wanted to learn from me 10 years ago versus now, I'm still pretty much doing the same thing. Yeah, you have. Because in 2016, when you were telling your story on the stage that I, when I went to see you speak, you, you were giving the same advice, saying the same things, you were eating the same diet. So you really have been consistent. Um, Myra wants to know, do you take vitamins? If so, which supplements? I do supplement. Um, even though my blood levels are perfect, 
I like to call it a covering of the bases. And also I do my best to set a really good example because even though I've been doing this a long time and I'm not deficient in anything, most people who are trying to get healthy or come into this lifestyle are deficient in many things. And if you don't provide them with that resource or live as an example, they're going to go find it somewhere else. So might sure. as well share the important ones that they need. Um, I really love this anything from Sun Warrior, Global Healing Center, Symbiotica. Um, those are like my favorite clean supplement brands that you can find pretty much anything you need. But I'm always recommending to people, first, go get your blood checked and see what you need. Be smart about it. Don't self-diagnose and go buy everything out there. Just find out what you need and how to rebalance and use that as a foundational thing that you can start building blocks upon. And are you personally, like, do you take a B12? Do you take a vitamin D? How does that work? Yeah, I, I love, um, I rotate between, I would say, I mean, I really like Sun Warriors Vitamin Mineral Green, um, Vitamin Mineral Rush and their Liquid Light, which is like liquid vitamins and minerals. Um, I also really like Global Healing Centers and Symbioticas B12, Vitamin D3 and Iodine. Those are great too. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I always, I tell people, got to take the B12 when you're vegan. Just, you know, we wash our fruits and vegetables. So usually it's in the soil that covers our fruits and veggies. So you got to, you know, got to supplement. And again, it's like covering your bases just in case. And also I think most people are deficient in vitamin D. I, the amount of messages I get from people telling me they're low in vitamin D. And a lot of people say, you know, Hey, I'm low in vitamin D. What foods can I eat? And I'm like, you know, it's, this, that, and the other mushrooms, blah, blah, blah. But then, you know, maybe like a fortified soy milk or almond milk or something. But I'm like, just in case like vitamin D is so important, take a supplement. Um, it, it can be hard to absorb through your food. And even for me, I live in Florida. I mean, you're in Hawaii. I, I'm in the sun a decent amount. It's warm here. And I got blood work done and my vitamin D was really low. So I started to supplement and it went back up. So even though I was eating a healthy diet, I live in a really sunny place. It can be hard. So I can imagine someone who's maybe in New York or somewhere cold and they aren't outside a lot or you're wearing a lot of sunscreen or, you know, you're inside all day, you're not eating well, it can be really easy to be low in vitamin D. So I think that's uh, good to bring up that you got to cover the bases. Lana wants to know, do you ever crave the coziness of a warm comfort food? If so, what do you do? Not anymore. Um, I think in the beginning of my journey, I did. But the longer that you are on this path and uh, achieving this lifestyle and getting the results you want, you have less and less cravings for the things that once brought you sickness or pain. And I think for some people, comfort foods are a thing, but keep in mind, I've been doing this for so long. I've broken free from so many of those paradigms in my mind that the things that bring me comfort now are creating safe spaces for myself. I love taking warm baths. I love journaling. I love being around people that make me feel loved. I've rewired certain patterns with my parents or with my family, like things that used to be comfort foods for me, I realized were really just spending time with my mom or my birdie or my dad and um, really getting at the core of what I desired from them in those moments that weren't food related. Um, 
So that was number one. But I would say if there is something that I ever find that I'm craving uh, during a winter season, um, I'll make my, I make like a raw chocolate milk that I like. And I have that recipe on my YouTube channel and it's slightly warmed in a Vitamix, but it's not like anything that you would <laughs> cook or boil. It's, it's just fun to make. Um, also, gosh, it's so funny that you're asking me this because, you know, raw vegan desserts, I think are some of the best desserts out there. I think they taste better than most cooked desserts. And it's so easy to satisfy your sweet tooth with raw vegan desserts. And I, I love making raw desserts all the time, but I never feel guilt or shame when I make them because they're healthy desserts. <laughs> so I do enjoy those from time to time. Yeah. So it kind of sounds like you're saying like you found warmth in other ways. And like, I know you really love like hot yoga and like getting a good sweat, which for sure warms up your body and you live in a warm climate and I do too. And I don't know about you, but I feel now that I live somewhere warm, I don't need as many hot food. So I can imagine that. And you came from Texas. So I think also being in a warm climate helps, but again, maybe someone who's not in a warm climate, like you said, um, and I think you've said this in the past, but like cozying up by a fire, like a blanket, or like you said, a warm bath, like there are other, if you're really, if you really want to be raw vegan and you want to do it, like, don't let, uh, like a fear of not being warm get in the way. Yeah. I, you know, I think for me as well, and just to kind of clarify that I realized early on that my, my cravings for certain things were more of an emotional attachment to food than a physical and need for one. And when I learned how to nourish and not punish myself in that way, I began to, to find other ways to create comfort in my life than by other, other than by using food. Yeah, no, I love that. I could, I could ask you a ton more questions, but, um, maybe we'll just have to do a part two. Thank you so much for coming on the pod. This was, this was amazing. Okay. I hope this was good for you. I've loved this time with you, Danielle. <laughs> Um, thank you so much for having me. I feel honored. And where can everyone find you on social media? Um, they can find me on YouTube, Fully Raw Christina, on Instagram, Fully Raw Christina, or my website at fullyraw.com. And Amazing. basically anywhere. <laughs> and your book, so, you have a book too. I have a book. I have all the things. I have a book. I have an app. I have all of the resources someone could ever need to want to go raw vegan. My app has more than 400 something recipes on it. My YouTube channel has 800 free videos where you can learn so much about this lifestyle as well. Um, and my Instagram is more of like my daily life and posts. Amazing. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me.